Come on, somebody. Give the guy some praise in this house. Yes. So glad to be with the church this morning. So glad to be with you. If we have not met, my name is Greg Henderson. I'm the East County Campus Pastor. You're at the Rock Church, Point Loma right now. I'd like to say what's up to all my people online. Microsites, what's going on? Microsites all over San Diego. We're so glad that what you're just sowing into the city. And special shout out to East County. I know you guys are going bananas there right now. So glad that you're with us. And family, I'm just so excited to be able here to share the word with you. And I believe God has a freshly spoken word. That word freshly spoken is the word rhema. I believe God has a rhema word for you this morning. A freshly spoken word. And here's the thing. I'm an interactive preacher. So, hey, listen. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Can I get an amen? And listen, in this house, if God is speaking to your heart and your heart leaps, you can say amen. You can say hallelujah. You can say praise the Lord. But just don't get cute and run down here and jump on stage because we got security. I want to tackle you, you know. So, you know, we, they, they're sitting right there. We got them. We got them if they come. So, hey, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so excited. And, and before we get started, I want to, I want to um, pray for two things. So would you guys mind standing up with me? We're going to pray for two things. First thing is we're going to pray for those families that were affected by the shooting in Texas. We're going to lift those families up in that community. And then we're also going to pray against a hurricane that is potentially trying to ravage a lot of lives and a a lot of our land. So we're going to come against that in the name of Jesus. We're going to speak life over it in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God. Your word says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. God, we pray right now for the families that have been impacted, Father, by this shooting, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name now you would comfort the families, Lord. Bring them peace, God. You are the Prince of Peace, Father. They may feel your presence right now, Lord. And, Lord, we declare and speak against this hurricane right now in the name of Jesus that it would not cause any damage or any harm, Lord, that it would just dissipate, God. It would just completely dissolve and go away. And it would be nothing but just a false alarm. We pray that no lives are taken. We pray, God, that we will receive a freshly spoken word. God, that we have a fresh eyes to see something new in the scriptures that we read this morning that would draw us and give us an invitation to become even closer to you so that we can be a reflection on earth as you are in heaven. In Jesus' name, somebody shout out amen. amen. Hey, look out. Give a person to the next you. High five. Give them a Holy Spirit high five and tell them welcome to church. Little Holy Spirit high five. So, Pastor Miles, who is actually he's out and he's celebrating um, some time with his wife, and you know I just uh, so much love this man. I just love how obedient he has been he is to God and how he continues. And let me give you a little secret about him. He very much, deeply loves every single one of you in here. You may not have interaction with him day in day out like some of us do. But I can 100% tell you from the core of my soul that that man loves every one of you in here. He loves this city and he loves this church. Let's give God some praise for his life. So we were in a series called The Prophet and and we are transitioning into a series called More. Everybody say more. God has more for your life. He has a whole lot for your life. And he wants you to step into the inheritance that he has for your life. He wants you to walk in the fullness of God for your life. And sometimes we tend to take the long route or our walk becomes a bit dry. 
But I believe today that God's going to give you a freshly spoken word to reignite your soul, to reignite your mind, to reignite your hearts, to continually press in to what God has for your life. So I was sitting in my quiet time, and I was praying, and, you know, I was like, God, man, I'm, I'm just declaring, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm contending for a word for myself. And he started speaking to me about the church, and he gave me this word, and he said, you know, son, I'm working on your wrath. I said, what, Lord? You working on my what? I looked at my Bible. I said, ras. Okay, I don't see ras in the Bible. I see something that rhymes with ras. <laughs> All you Christians in here, I was thinking of fast. Some of y'all in here, though, I don't, I don't know. You know, maybe this message really, you really need this message. I was thinking fast. He said, no, I'm working on your ras. I said, wow. Okay, God, what does that mean? So, you know, I was praying and nothing came. And I said, you know what, let me look it up. I looked it up. And it's actually a word. It's actually an acronym, RAS, Reticular Activation System. It's a piece of your brain. It sits in the back of your brain, at the bottom of your skull, and right between um, your spinal cord and the bottom of your brain. And it's a piece of your brain. You know what the RAS system does? It gives you the greater ability to see things more frequently. Gives you the greater ability to see more things more frequently. So, for example, some of you in here, you're like, you know what, man, I'm going to give me that new white car. Nobody got that white car. Then you go buy the white car and you drive down the road and you see all five white cars right around you. <laughs> Ever happen to anybody in here? Anybody? That's the reticular activation system. And it gives you a greater ability to see things more frequently. God said, As I'm working on your reticular activation system, son, because I want you to have the greater ability to see me everywhere. And I'm speaking that word over your life. God's going to reactivate. He's going to reticularly activate your system so that where everywhere you look, everywhere you step, even in stuff that may look hard in your life, you're going to see God in everything. How many of y'all want to see that in this place today? I know I do. God has more for your life. He wants you to see more. But in order to step into the more, you need to see God in everything. You mean everything? Yeah, everything. God wants to recalibrate what that looked like. So if you can, turn with me to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. And as you're turning there, in your bulletin, there's a, a red card that says more on it. And I want you to take this card and I want you to hold it near and dear. And as you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to you today. He's going to be speaking to you. He's going to be speaking profoundly to you about what he's calling you to do to step into more. And this is not about just getting you to serve or getting you to do anything. No, this is about getting you to engage with heaven for your life. This is about you getting engaged with the goodness of God for your life. And so what we're going to do is that I'm, we're going to go through the scriptures, but God's going to prompt you to somehow engage. And you can fill this out, and on your way out, you can drop it off with the hospitality people, and they'll be contacting you. So in Ezekiel 37... Let me frame this for you. Ezekiel essentially was a priest to start out. But he was sitting on the riverbank in Babylon, which is modern-day Baghdad, Iraq. And he was sitting there, and he was, praying, he was just praying. And immediately goes in a trance. And he sees the presence of God come on this big old chariot, has this incredible vision. And God says, hey... I'm calling you, you're going to be a voice to my people because my people have turned their back on me. My people have turned their back on me. 
and I'm calling you to go give them a word from me to turn around and repent to me because I no longer am at the top of their list. And he gives this prophecy to Ezekiel, and he's going to go say this, and he says, but even in you saying it, they're not going to believe you. They're not going to believe you. How many of you in here, God has called you to do something, and he's giving you this prophetic word saying about your life. Some of you have been called to do great and mighty things, but you somehow slowed down or have hit a dry valley in your journey. Well, I got news for you today. God's going to breathe new life in your journey. God's going to bring new life in your journey. So we pick up the story right there. He takes them, and we're going to read about the valley of the dead bones, to have dry bones. It's Ezekiel 37, verse 1, and it says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit. Everybody say in the spirit. Of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Verse 2, Then he caused me to pass by them, all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered him, Lord, you're tripping right now. I cannot believe. <laughs> Some of you got the, KJ, the KJV, the, the King James version. I got the, the RJV, the Rick James version. I got that. <laughs> got the Rick James version. So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones. I say prophesy. Now say it like you mean, say prophesy. Prophesy Prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus say the Lord to these bones, surely I will cause breath. Everybody say breath. To enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath. Everybody say breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. That's a good word right there. First point I want to give you, I'm going to give you four points that you can take and reignite your walk with. Point number one is this. Obedience in Christ reveals true purpose for your life. Obedience in Christ reveals true purpose for your life. Everybody say, I am created for more obedience. You are created for more obedience. A lot of you in this room show up day in, day out, and you're desiring more in your journey. You're desiring more fire in your journey. Some of you in here come in contention for your family members who don't know God. Some of you are standing in the gap for them, praying, 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 wanting to see breakthrough. But it starts with obedience. Real eternal blessing starts with humble obedience. Real eternal blessing poured out in your life starts by getting on your knees and saying, God, here I am. Ezekiel sitting there got this prophetic word from the Lord and said, I'm going to send you on a mission. And they're not going to believe you. He had a choice. He could have said, no, I don't want no part of that. But he said, you know what, I'm going to engage and I'm going to be obedient. You guys sitting in this church is a product of one man's yes to the Lord. You sitting in this house, us being able to talk about Jesus in here, one man said, yes, God, I'm going to do it. I want to do it. I want all of you. There was a a, a powerful evangelist in the early 20th century, lived about 1859 to lived about 1947. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth 
was a healing revivalist. There are people who come from all over the world to see this man do miracles and see the power of God work through his life. And there was, he'd raised so many people from the dead and people healed cancer, wheelchairs come out. It was just amazing what God was doing through this man's life. He said this quote, and I believe this word that he said in this quote is for you. One of the, uh, uh, a reporter asked, hey, Mr. Wigglesworth, what's the, what's the secret to your power? And he said this, he said, at the slightest whisper of the Holy Spirit, I turn aside and I obey. At the slightest whisper of the Holy Spirit, I turn aside and I obey. The Holy Spirit is whispering into all of you in this room right now. All of you. All of them, you sitting up there, all of you there, all of you online, all of the microsites, all of East County. He is whispering to you right now, hey, you need to forgive your father. Hey, you need to tell your mother you love her. Hey, you need to start serving at church. Hey, he's whispering to you things that he needs you to engage in. He's even going down to the details. Hey, you need to brush your teeth. Some of the ladies in here, hallelujah, he's praising the gospel right now. Praise the Lord. But when the Holy Spirit whispers to you, you need to turn and obey, not turn and say, well, God, I'm not this, I'm not that, I can't do this, I can't do that. But no, here I am, God, flaws and all, imperfect and all. Use me, I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on, give God praise. For me, I, I, I got saved, okay, and I was, I, was, I was in Washington. I was born and raised here, played pro be- professional basketball for about nine years, got a chance to coach in the NBA for a year. I was living in Washington in a very, very small little town called Cleelum, Washington. Super small town, you know, it's like 2,000, you know, you know, one of them towns, it's like one of everything. One grocery store, <laughs> one gas station, one gas pump. One sheriff, one gun, one bullet, <laughs> and one black person. That was it. I'm just <laughs> one of everything. And I'm sitting up there, and I just came back from playing professionally. I was in Ukraine. I came back. I'm sitting there, and I, my boy called my boy up at night. And I said, hey, man, tell me about God, man. Oh, you know, you should check out this church called the Rock Church. I said, Rock Church? Man, let me check it out. I mean, you like the pastor, man. He's really cool, man. You, you really like him. Let me go online and check it out. So I go online, watch one sermon. Then I watch another sermon. And then I watch a third one. By the third one, you know, at the end, get the altar call. I stand up in the middle of work and I just give my life to just said, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. To an online service. So there's hope for you onlineers that are tuning in right now. Listen, you ain't in a sanctuary, but the Spirit of God is sitting in your house sitting in your house. So immediately, power of God comes on me and says, I want you to book a ticket, get on a plane, and fly down to San Diego to meet the pastor. I said, okay, that's what I'm doing. So I book my ticket. I call my boy. Hey, man, I'm coming down to San Diego. I'm going to the church. I want you to go with me, and I'm going to meet Pastor Miles. (laughs) He laughed at me on the phone. He said, you're not going to meet Pastor Miles, man. You don't understand. You just don't show up to the church and go straight up to the pastor. You don't, you know. I was like, no, like, I heard God tell me this. Because at the slightest whisper of the Holy Spirit, 
I turn aside and I obey. I don't want to. I don't want to know why. What's going on? I don't. I don't care what. I don't care what you think. I know. I got orders. All of y'all in here, you got orders on your life. You got orders to love people. You got orders to serve people. You got orders to forgive people. You got orders to be loving to one another. You got orders to be a reflection of heaven on earth in the name of Jesus. So, so, come on. So I book my ticket. I fly down. I get here. I go to the gym. I'm, I'm hooping. I'm playing basketball. They're like, yo, man, you back in town. What you doing here? Like, man, here, man. And I just start evangelizing. I, don't even, I didn't even know what that word meant at the time. I'm just in the gym. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus. And they're like, who are you? They're like, man, what happened to you, man? I said, man, I found Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. You want to come to church with me? I'm like, man, we ain't going to church. I said, man, I'm going. I'm going to be praying for you because you're on your way to the wrong direction. I know that much. <laughs> so I show up. Me and my boy sit right there. Pastor Miles comes out. He preaches. And I'm like, oh, man, he's here. Wow, okay. He gets done, goes and sits on the side of stage, stands on the side of the stage right there, which he normally doesn't do very much anymore because, you know, we got crowds and, you know, we got the crazy Christians and we love the Christians, but, you know, some of us are a little wacky sometimes. It's okay. We still love you. There's grace. So he gets off and he stands there. And I walk over there and I kid you not, it was a sea of people. It was about as many people in the sanctuary, plus the people online, the microsites, as well as East County, all standing in front of this guy. And I said, God, just verbatim, I said, God, here he is, make it happen. I turn around like this, I turn back around, and nobody's standing there, and he's standing there looking at me like this. <laughs> I said, all right. So I walk right up to him. I said, hey, my name is Greg. And uh, um, God's telling me to go into ministry. I don't even know what that word means. Ministry? And he's like, how old are you, young blood? <laughs> I said, oh, you know, tell him my age. And he's like, I'm about to be 50. Can you believe that? I'm about to be 50. But I look good, though, don't I? <laughs> and I said, you do look good, man. Still, still look good. I said, but you know what? God called, told me that. Enough of that. God told me to come down here and for you to pray for me. And he's like, you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord. You know he goes in evangelism. You ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. I said, I did. He's like, oh, man, you saved. You know what? I'm going to pray for you anyway. I said, great. So he goes like this, puts his hands on me. I put my hands on him. And the first thing, we bow our heads down, the first thing that shoots through my mind is, man, I wish I had a picture of this because this is a pivotal moment in my life and for the kingdom of heaven. First thing I thought to myself, turn aside and obey in the name of Jesus. We pray, we get done. Hey, man, God bless you, love you, see you later, you know, and uh, keep in touch. And he takes off. I'm here, I'm like, all right, man, that's it. So I turn around, I walk away, and this woman walks up on me. She goes, hey, I'm such and such from the Rock Church, and the L.A. Times is writing a front-page article about this church, and they want to know if they can use this picture. Can you show them the picture? And I said... And I said, dang, God, does it work that quick? I just thought that. I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even say anything. At the slightest whisper of the Holy Spirit, are you willing to move? Now I'm here, 
I'm a campus pastor. I'm preaching on this stage. Like, what did Jesus, you're amazing, amazing, amazing. Just like Ezekiel, God called me to do something that just took radical faith. I didn't care. I didn't want to understand. We're not called to understand. We're called to obey. We call to listen to his voice, and he says, go here, you go there. But here's the deal, how you know it's of him or it's not him. It's going to be, a, first of all, it could be a little fearful, but it's always going to release love in your life. You always release whatever overshadows you. If the Holy Spirit and God overshadows you, you're going to be releasing that wherever you go. Obedience increases your capacity to hear from God. Complaining deafens your capacity to hear from God. You start complaining, oh, man, I don't like Johnny. Man, Johnny brings a little stinky lunch to work, and he used the microwave, and it stinks up the whole office. I can't. But when you're obedient, the key word in obedience is the word die. You got to die to yourself. You got to die to your wants. You got to die to your things. 2 Timothy 2.11 says, it is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If you die with Christ, you're going to live with Christ. You're going to raise up in this thing. You're going to go into your environment. You're going to speak life. You're going to speak truth. You're going to give the Holy Spirit. You're going to go and you're going to change atmospheres for the name of Jesus. That's what he's called us to do. And I got news for you. Some of you are oh, well, you know, I don't, like, I, don't like, I don't like such and such, and I don't like this person. I don't like this. Let me tell you something. People that anger you the most help to perfect loving you the deepest. Help to perfect loving you the deepest. Because the people that anger you the most is causing you and stirring you to become more like Jesus to them. And I got news for you. It's not easy. Jesus never said it would be easy. He said it would be worth it. He said it would be worth it. And there's so much more for your life. Everybody say more. God has more for your life if you're willing to submit, be obedient, and obey. Second point is this. God created and commissioned you to release life to people and environments. God created and commissioned you to release life to people and environments. The Hebrew word for breath is ruach, ruach. So when Ezekiel was there, he said that my spirit is gonna come into these bones. God spoke his spirit just like in the beginning. He spoke the world into its existence. He spoke his spirit into them and things came to life. All of you, some of us in here, you may be walking and your heart may be a valley of dead, dry bones. Some of you in here don't know Jesus and your life could be, it may look good on the outside, but you walking through the valley of the shadow of death and you don't even know it. But the Bible also says that he is with you. If you call him Lord and Savior and you have a valley of dead, dry bones in your heart, that the spirit of God, the ruach of God wants to come into your life. And give you new life and form new things in you. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Ooh. Ooh. It's like a Holy Spirit punching your mouth. Your words should be like nitroglycerin. You know what nitroglycerin does? Nitroglycerin is used for two things. One of the things is it's used to blow stuff up. Buildings, bridges. Demolition. But did you also know that nitroglycerin is used to when they do heart surgery? It's used to repair hearts. 
So the question of the Holy Spirit is asking you in being more, is your words going to be, are you, is your life and your words going to be to blow things up? Or is it going to be to repair hearts and to speak life into people and to speak life on your campuses, to speak life in your schools for all you students in here, to speak life in your marriages for all you married couples in here, to stay pure for all you single people in here? Are you going to let your words be nitroglycerin life or nitroglycerin death? You know, a lot of us in here, some people, you know, you just come in the room, you're like, man, I got to be around that person. There's something on that dude right there, man. He got the Holy Spirit on him. He just got so much joy. He got so much peace. There's something on his life. Some people bring happiness wherever they go. And then some, there's some people that bring happiness whenever they go. <laughs> Which one are you going to be? You're going to be in a person that you step in the room and say, you know what, the kingdom of God is here because I represent the name of Jesus who saved my life, who rose from the grave, who hung on the cross for my life. You're going to be that guy? Or you're going to be the other dude who steps in and you're like, oh, man, Johnny here, we got to go. You're going to be, which one are you going to be? You're going to release life or release death? Ezekiel's over the prophet and he gets this incredible vision about what it means when the spirit of God comes into a valley of dead bones. It brings together things of life. It creates life. God has created you for more to go speak life. You think, oh, man, well, I'm just, you know, I, I don't want to be late, and I got to get out here because traffic and Point Loma, and I don't want to beat the traffic and everything. But you know what? God may tell you, you know what? You need to come to the front and get prayer because I got a breakthrough waiting for you. Or you know what, some of you in here, oh man, you know, I don't want to go down the front, it's kind of embarrassing, you know, but you know what, I got destiny on the other side of your obedience to me. The thing is, will you say yes? Will you allow the spirit of God that fills you up, that is speaking to you right now, speak to you profoundly and push you towards your destiny? You want to be able to dig your roots nice and deep down into the Lord. So when things come against you, your roots are dug down deep. Listen, when people see your life, they say, yo, man, you got a lot of fruit in your life. Your fr the fruit of your life should point to the roots in your life, who Jesus Christ is in your life. Yo, man, why are you so happy, man? Because I'm dug down into the king. Yo, man, why, why, man, you have such a hard day, man. You got fired from your job and you're still happy because my roots are dug down into the king. Oh, man, you're going to go in there and you're going to treat that person after they called you this, 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 and this? Because my roots are dug down into the king. God has that for you. He has more for you. He has more for you. He has more for your life. He's asking you. He's inviting you. When you receive truth, listen, truth doesn't deny a problem's existence. It denies its place of influence. When you know the truth, the Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You know the truth. It doesn't deny that there's cancer. doesn't deny that you get broke sometimes. doesn't deny that your girlfriend dumps you. doesn't deny that there's things going on in your life. But it does deny its problems of existence in your heart. Well, you know what? Even in the midst of this, I know that God is my redeemer. In the midst of this, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And in the midst of this, I know that I got to renew mine in Christ. And in the midst of this... It does not have influence on you because you're rooted in the king. You're rooted in the one who hung on the cross for you, who died, who paid a high price for your low living. 
Jesus did that for me, and he's doing it for any of you. And then some of you that are online, some of you that are microsite, some of you in this sanctuary right now, some of you don't know you, you're going to get a chance to know him by the end of the day. I feel the anointing in this room. Come on, somebody. God, point number three, God created your life not to be ordinary, but to reflect his extraordinary. God created your life not to be ordinary, but to reflect his extraordinary. Everybody say, I am. Created for more. Extraordinary. You're created for more extraordinary. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Not maybe, not, not possibly, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis, the great theologian, said this quote, and I know this is going to minister to you. He said this, I believe in Jesus like I believe in the sun rising. Not because I can see it, it's because I can see everything else around it. Y'all didn't catch that. Let me read it again. I believe in Jesus like I believe in the sun rising, not because I can see it, it's because I can see everything else. When the sun comes up, when you have the life of God in your life, people see things around you. They see the fruit around you. You know the sun is out because it gives off light. The kingdom of God is in your life. You let, you let out light. You let out life. And when you open your mouth, rivers of living water come pouring out to people's hearts who have dry, dead bones in their life, in their family. You go in, you may bring a word of encouragement. Hey, you have a beautiful smile and God's going to bless you today. You know what that does to somebody? You don't know until you're obedient enough to try it and do it. And then when God is glorified, you, you give him praise and you say, God, you're so good, you're so great, you're so magnificent, you're so wonderful. And I thank you that this person received a fresh anointing today in the name of Jesus. When you complain, you deafen your ability to hear from God. We don't want to be complainers. You don't want to dumb down your ear, your, your spiritual ear to hear from God. You want to be able to hear from him in all things at all times. We need to stop complaining. Point number four. God created you to engage all of his will. Everybody say all. All of his will for your life. You are created for more of his will. Galatians 5.13 says, you, my brothers and sisters, who were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in the Lord. And you're like, well, well, I'm called to do I'm called to do more for his will, but what's God's will for my life? How many, want, how many want to know what God's will for their life is? Raise your hand nice and high. Okay. A lot of you in this room, maybe a lot of you online. You want me to tell you what God's will is for your life? You guys want to know? If you guys, you guys really want to know, come back next week and we'll give you, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God's will for your life is that you will be a reflection to him on earth as he is in heaven. That's his will for your life. Some of you in here are business people. And you have businesses and you steward millions, thousands, a lot of resource. But before God found you, you were broken in the Ten Commandments. But then the Spirit came on you and said, you know what, I'm going to entrust you. Here you go. But what are you doing to steward that? Some of us in here have been called to do greater things. But you know what, he said, you know what, I just want you to serve in the hospitality. I want you to give out a bulletin and smile and tell people welcome. Ah, that's just too small of a thing, Lord, but you know what? Big things always start in small beginnings. 
Big things always start in a small beginning. If you don't believe me, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in a manger. Stinky, funky, animals everywhere to save the world. It's funny, he was born in a place that was stinky, funky, and he still saved it because a lot of our lives in here was stinky and funky when he first found us and he came and saved us, gave us a new life, gave us a new mind, commissioned us to go into the world and be a reflection of his love. Give God praise if he's done that for you in this place. Listen, the word of God is self-evident truth. It doesn't need to be defended. It needs to be proclaimed. We need to proclaim what God's word says. You don't need to be up there and be, oh, man, you need arguing and, and, and Facebook. And, and it, listen, some of y'all need to take your face out of Facebook and put your face in his book. Some of you in here are like, oh, man, I don't even do Facebook. Facebook for old people. I do Instagram. Well, listen, some of you are getting your likes off Instagram when you need to know that you're already locked by the great I am. God's already liked your page before your page was even born. But you hung up and you scrolling for hours and hours where you can be scrolling through them scriptures and allow the God, the word of God to transform your life. I'm going to close with this. In Ezekiel, you see a man being commissioned by God to go give a prophetic word and raise dry dead bones to life. He goes and he does what God commands him to do. And in verse chapter 47, which is at the end of this story, the Bible says that the spirit of God came back into the temple. And then out of the temple, a river of living water came and it created an oasis where life grew out of that. It was a prophetic picture of what happened in Genesis 1 about the Garden of Eden. But it's also a prophetic picture for every single person sitting in this sanctuary right now that God wants to inhabit you, his temple so that you will release life wherever you go. That people around you will be blessed because you're in their presence. That people around you would know that the spirit of God rests upon your life. Even in the midst of your hardships. That God can still speak through you, work through you powerfully. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you. And here's the deal. I'm going to pray for two people in this room. Actually everybody in this room. Some of you in here had a valley of dead bones. Your spirit and your walk is very mundane. It's very lackluster. There's no fire. Anywhere you go, you just kind of just, oh, well, you know, I'm a Christian. And then there's some of you in here who don't know Jesus. And you want that fresh fire. And you say, you know what, sign me up. I'm, I'm, I'm handing out bulletins. And I'm going to be the best one to do hand out bulletins in this church. I'm praying for all of y'all in this room to receive. Listen. When we pray for you as pastors, leaders, people that come up here and get, when we pray for you, this is, we're not praying for you as a project of our desires. We're praying for you because you are a creation of his affection. We're praying for you because you are an object of his affection, of who he says you are. We're praying. We're not here to entertain you. You are not here to pump you up. We're here to point you towards your destiny. Your destiny is being one with Jesus. Your destiny is to go into the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's your destiny. Your destiny is to be a reflection of heaven in the workplace. Your destiny is to be a reflection of heaven all throughout San Diego and all online and all around the world. That's your destiny. So I'm going to pray for you. So I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes.
Lord, wow, we love you. I fear the spirit of God in this room right now. People are going to get saved and they're going to get set free. They're going to get reignited in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, that your presence is here. Feel the, I feel your presence, Lord. Feel your anointing. God, I pray for those who have had a heart of dead bones, dry valleys. I pray, God, that they would right now come to life in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, right now that they would hear your word and that they would act upon it out of obedience, that at the slightest whisper of your voice that they would turn and obey. And, Lord, I pray for those right now who don't know you. For those, I would just say, you just pray this in the privacy or just say, Jesus, come into my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. That on this day I will follow you. I will turn aside and obey your voice. If that's you and you prayed that prayer in this room today, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you to come out your seat. And here's what's going to happen. The enemy's going to say, oh, man, you need to get out of here because of parking. Or you need to go do this. Or you need to go do that. And God is saying, daughter, son, come forward because I got eternity on the other side of your obedience. I got blessing on the other side of your obedience. I got more on the other side of your obedience. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand and come and receive your blessing. One, get your hearts ready. Two, because the Holy Spirit is really speaking to you powerfully right now. Three, stand to your feet in this place if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.